You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Uh, when it comes to our Purdue football team, we're excited about this upcoming season. I think there are some, uh, <coughs> excuse me, tremendous challenges we have ahead of us. A great schedule that we're looking forward to. Our guys have worked extremely hard to this point. Uh, we're looking forward to getting started here August 1st for our first game when we go to Nevada on a Friday night. That was Purdue football head coach Jeff Brom in his opening statement at Big Ten Football Media Days this past week. Welcome to the Full Steam Ahead podcast, a podcast about Purdue. I'm your host, Adam Bartels. In this episode, we will recap what Coach Brom and the players had to say at Big Ten Media Days about this upcoming season. To help me do that is my guest on the show from goldenblack.com, the publisher, Alan Karpik. Alan's been with Golden Black for 23 years, and it's my pleasure to have him on the show. You can follow Alan on Twitter at Alan Karpik or goldenblack.com on Twitter at goldenblackcom. All right, Alan, thanks for joining the Full Steam Ahead podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Adam. Glad to be on and uh, looking forward to talking Purdue football. It's that time of year. It's an exciting time. We're about a little less than 40 days away from uh, kickoff. Um, going back to Big Ten Media Days last week, Coach Brom started his press conference off talking about playing with more consistency and not beating themselves. I think we have to develop more consistency, um, figure out ways to play at a high level each and every week. Uh, also, I think uh, we beat ourselves a few times last year in some games. We got to play smarter. We got to do the small things uh, to give ourselves a chance. How important do you think that is for this year's team uh, from opening kickoff, especially considering the rough start they got off to last year? Well, and the rough stuff they got start they got off to last year was because of those that those beating themselves, uh, whether it be some penalties against Northwestern, uh, a couple late hits. Uh, certainly, in the loss to Eastern Michigan, was very much the same storyline. I think that Jeff Brom is astute. Uh, first, he's an astute football coach, but he is secondly understands that the margin for error uh, for Purdue is not uh, big; it's razor thin, and you cannot beat yourselves. And I think that's as much as anything where Jeff Brom is coming from when he's talking that way. Purdue has to be have all of its energies focused in the right direction for it to be competitive on a game-by-game basis. And the players kind of alluded to that as well when they were uh, being interviewed by the uh, Big Ten Network guys, talking about, again, that consistency, not beating themselves, but also holding themselves accountable. And they even talked about every position is up for grab. Do you believe that? And, and how important is that that they – practice with that mentality well i think that's been jeff brahm's mo in his two plus seasons of being here is that uh, you know you, you want guys to be confident but not always comfortable and i think that's where he's in other words comfortable that they're or assuming that they're going to have that position locked locked down for the rest of their career if they start as a freshman now i will say I'm going to guess number four, Rondale Moore, is going to have a good shot at being a starter right. this year. But, but being somewhat facetious, uh, it, it, it is the way he manages. I think he manages uh, uh, trying to keep his guys confident, but also to keep them on edge. And nothing motivates folks like the bench, they say. And yet I don't think Jeff Brown's the kind of guy that's a fire and brimstone guy with that. But they, the players know that they have to be accountable. And I think that's been a challenge uh, at times. Uh, maybe washing out some of the ills before Jeff Brom got here, some of these uh, late hit penalties and things that cost Purdue early on last year. 
uh, you know, kind of reared its ugly head after his Jeff Brom's first year in 2017, where that wasn't as much of an issue. So, you know, I think Jeff Brom knows what he has to do as a football coach, and accountability is one of them. And I think uh, keeping his players operating at maximum efficiency and also mass, maximum passion is an important, if not essential, part of what uh, he has to do for Purdue's program to move forward. Yeah, and typically a lot of that accountability not only comes from coaches, but uh, the older players as well. Not a lot of seniors on this year's squad. I think only eight, if I counted correctly. Um, this is what Coach Brom had to say about that. You know, I do think uh, you'd always like to have a veteran team and a veteran leadership and guys that have seen the field a lot. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I think we will have a good mix. Those guys, those seniors will lead well, and uh, they will be on the field. Uh, and these other guys just have to uh, come ready to play. And I think between spring practice, summer repetitions, uh, <clears throat> fall camp, you know, we, we got to do a great job as coaches getting those guys ready to play. But uh, we'll be young. But, uh, you know, I think we've got to play confident. we still got to expect a win. We've still got to go out there and, uh, you know, take the field uh, knowing that uh, if we play uh, our best, we can have a chance to win. And I think uh, our guys uh, have done a good job to this point. And uh, as coaches, uh, we've got to get them ready to play. Alan, have you ever seen uh, a football squad with this few seniors? And if so, how, how will and can that impact a team? Well, it's been a while. I think there may have been some of the Tiller era, a couple of years where they had small classes. And that's a, a kind of a situation where, uh, again, Jeff Brom has tried to balance out his roster. That's been an important part of things, even in his third season here. The good thing is he's got some good leaders in that class. There just aren't a lot of them, certainly, and guys with experience. Marcus Bailey is the guy that you look at from the from the get-go that is a uh, a guy that uh, has been there, has been through the good and the bad. He's had to deal with injuries, all those factors. Uh, that's the kind of guy so I, that you want. Even Elijah Sindelar, who's technically a fifth-year senior who will get a six-year of eligibility if he chooses to use it, also has been through the wars. Uh, he's mature. He's already graduated with an engineering degree from college. So Jeff Brom has leadership to work with. He just doesn't have numbers. Uh, but I also think that, uh, th that he understands that isn't, you'd rather, as long as you have a few guys that you can trust uh, to deliver what you need to be delivered from a leadership standpoint, you can be in good shape. And I think that Jeff Brom feels in his heart of hearts that he's in pretty good shape from a leadership standpoint. I was going to say, not a lot, but at least some quality ones there. And you mentioned one of them, Marcus Bailey, another one, uh, Lorenzo Neal, both represented Purdue at uh, the Big Ten Media Days. How important it is to have those type of guys coming back, especially on the defensive side of the ball this year? Well, I think defense has been a place that in, in some ways, I wouldn't say Purdue took a step back last year, but certainly it did not uh, – it's still, it struggled defensively. If you look at the statistics uh, uh, against the pass, pretty one of the worst in the Big Ten in that category. Its inability to get a consistent pass rush has been a problem, really going all the way back for Purdue football to the days of, of Ryan Kerrigan, if you want to get uh, technical back to 2010. So, um, you know, he's got to, uh, he knows, you hear all about Jeff Brown's offense if you're looking at Purdue from a 35,000 foot level, but it was the defense in 2017 that helped Purdue really take a big step forward. Nick Holt is a very aggressive coach. He wants to have uh, uh, guys in space that can make plays. He needs a pass rush. He's got a guy in the freshman, George Karloftis, that they hope in time can do that. 
but uh, it still is a work in progress, and yet the defense has to set the tone to some extent with how this football team will play, and Nick Holt plays one way aggressively, <laughs> and that has been Purdue's M.O. Uh, throughout his time. The challenge has been, Adam, is that Purdue hasn't been, wasn't as good at times last year. Certainly the uh, uh, Minnesota game, the, uh, certainly the Auburn game, there were reasons for that, injuries being one, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, that, that certainly told the tale. But Purdue still developing t- uh, depth on defense and has a lot of positions where they've got some young talent. It's just going to take some time to continue to develop that group. You mentioned Nick Holt and his importance on the defensive side of it. His, uh, I believe his son transferred over this year. Will he play a big role? He will. I, I think he's uh, battling a little bit of an injury bug, as we understand it. Uh, how much of a factor that will be going into camp will be a storyline. Um, you know, Purdue has had some success uh, with the Western Kentucky contingent. Uh, <laughs> two or three guys that have been, been uh, uh, big players uh, in, in that have come from Western Kentucky. Obviously, Ben Holt uh, knows what Nick Holt is all about. Right. Knows how to knows the expectation level. That's important uh, when you're going to make a one-year move. Uh, Purdue needs depth at that position. Cornell Jones certainly had, had made, took a step, I think, in the right right uh, for the most part. Though he had problems with discipline in terms of penalties and mm-hmm. things like that. But you have Marcus Bailey. You need you need a guy like Ben Holt to come forward and be a difference maker from the get-go, and that's what's going to be a, a storyline again to whether that defense takes enough of an incremental step to be really good for Purdue. On the offensive side of the ball, usually the most talked about position is the quarterback, and Brom talked about Elijah Sindelar in the quarterback position. Here's what he had to say about that. Well, Elijah Sindelar right now is our starting quarterback. I do think um, he's got a lot of talent. He has a big arm. He can throw the ball vertically. We've got to do a better job of coaching him where we can limit the turnovers and make sure he's taking care of the football and being smart with it. And uh, while we're taking our chances to throw it downfield, uh, you know, he's doing his part of of limiting interceptions and turnovers and uh, being smart with the football. But, uh, you know, he's gotten better. He works hard. He's a good leader. He has had some injury issues, so we've got to keep him healthy. And I think, uh, you know, we've got to manage – uh, what we do with him in practice and make sure that he's getting to the game fresh and ready to go and uh, and healthy for the game. With that said, you've always got to have backups ready. And uh, Jack Plummer <clears throat> is a, a young quarterback we, we think has a bright future. Uh, just hadn't seen the field, but he's getting better every week. He has to be ready to play. And then Aiden O'Connell really is our next guy up right now. And, uh, um, you know, those three guys have done a good job to this point, and uh, we feel confident that uh, if they're in the game, uh, we can have a chance to win. So clearly, Brom names Sindelar the starter, but he doesn't hesitate to mention the backups as well. What do you take from that? Well, I, I think a couple things. Uh, you have a guy coming off an injury, uh, even though he's had, you know, and he's still coming off an ACL, which you, that he suffered at the end of 2017 and played. Uh, three very very good games on that uh, on uh, no ACL. Then came in last year and threw three picks in the first uh, game. Uh, got injured after that. That was all a factor. And uh, and and I think they know what to expect from Elijah Sindelar. But again, good isn't probably good enough. You need to be really good or great in this offense. You need a guy that you can trust uh, to not throw uh, throw interceptions, limit limit turnovers, all those factors. And uh, I think they have a lot of trust in 
and in, in Elijah Sindelar's arm and in the fact that he's been around the program in his maturity level, but he's got to do it on the field. Also, I, I think all coaches in today's uh, college football world, the way the quarterbacks get hit anymore, and I'm not saying Sindelar is going to be running all over the place, but you better have a backup ready. Purdue's had to use the backup every year that that uh, every year that Jeff Brown has been there, and pretty much every year that I uh, that I can remember in the last dozen or so, the backup has played. Probably going all the way back to Curtis Painter, where Curtis uh, took a lot of the snaps up till his senior year. So mm-hmm. that is a storyline, and maybe Joey Elliott in 2009. But my point is, uh, Jack Plummer is going to have to be ready. He has yet to throw a pass in a college game. Um, that's going to be a storyline too. We'll be watching closely because you could almost guarantee that there's going to be a time in 2019 that Jack Plummer is going to have to come in and maybe have to produce. And that will be a storyline again that can Purdue make that incremental jump as a football team in 2019. You've probably seen Jack Plummer practice or scrimmage more than I have. What do you make of him and who would you compare him to that uh, Purdue folks might be familiar with? Um, that's a good question. We certainly saw him a lot in the spring game last year, and he got a lot of reps in spring practice. He's got a good arm. Uh, he is relatively mobile. I think physically he's still got some some work to do. He's still relatively young, so uh, that, that part I think is, is important uh, in his development. You never know. The thing that's hard to know when you watch him in practice and in, and, 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 and in the spring game is exactly – uh, is he doing exactly what the coach is wanting to do? Can he take what instruction and, and utilize that and perform what they want? That's a hard thing for, for those of us to really be able to discern. Um, he's a very intelligent guy. They liked him so much in recruiting. Uh, I think they like him very much down, down the road. But until he gets into a game uh, and produces uh, that comfort level, there's going to be some anxiety until that happens and how well – both the coaching staff and Jack deal with that uh, anxiety, so to speak, is going to tell the tale on how well this program does in 2020 because or 2019. Because again, uh, you can bet money that uh, that quarterback's going to get some serious uh, some playing time uh, at some point in time during the season. And one guy we you briefly mentioned earlier that was the third uh, player at Big Ten Media Days, Rondell Moore, was a guy who was relied upon heavily as a freshman last year. Brom was asked multiple times about him at Big Ten Media Days. One, on expectations. Well, Rondo's a guy we, we don't have to worry about. I think he'll handle it great. Uh, he's exceeded our expectations, and our expectations were high from the get-go. He's somebody that when the lights come on, uh, it doesn't phase him one bit. And uh, he's a special talent. He works extremely hard off the field. Um, he's a great student. And we're going to give him the ball. So however we got to do it, we're going to find ways to get that done. I know teams are going to key on him, so... You know, will he put up the numbers he had last year? I'm not for sure, but we're going to try to, to get it done for him. But uh, he's unselfish as well. He wants to win, uh, but he does know that he has to make plays for us and he has to stay healthy uh, for us to have the best chance to succeed. But uh, he has uh, put on a little bit of weight. He's a little bit stronger, uh, which he's, he's uh, always been fast, but he just works extremely hard in practice. He gives great effort. He goes full speed all the time, and uh, I think he'll have another tremendous year. And also on his usage. Uh, obviously, he's going to line up in the slot for us most of the time. And we've got to get him the ball uh, in that position. But he'll line up wide. We'll put him in the backfield. We'll use him on some jet sweep stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I think we've got to do a better job of 
giving him space and room in the return game. I think we didn't do a, our best job at that last year, and I think he can be very dynamic if we set up some things to take advantage of his ability. But, you know, you got to get others involved, and they've got to make plays. But uh, he is someone that um, will be moved around. And as coaches, we've got to be creative and make sure that we're doing that. And, uh, you know, that's the fun part about coaching is when you have a special talent figuring out ways to get him the ball at a lot of different positions. And uh, mentally, he can handle it all. And he studies, and he puts in the time. And uh, like I said, we're excited to see him play this year. Alan, talk about both those factors and how they may impact more and the team this year. Well, and Jeff Brown certainly talked about the fact that he said that, you know, you don't, I don't have to worry about Rondell Moore uh, in terms of what he's going to bring to the field every day in terms of work ethic. He is, you talk about leadership, he's a sophomore and he's very quiet, but he's a leader because uh, he because kids want to follow. A he's a he's almost an icon as a sophomore. The only only player in the history of the Big Ten to be a consensus All American as a true freshman. That's an amazing statistic. So amazing fact. So Rondale's got that ability to lead. He has the ability to, to and the work ethic, and he's got all the skill to make him uh, an All American, if not Heisman Trophy candidate. So. You know, I think they got to figure out a way. They want to utilize him. I think you're going to see more of him. Jeff Brom talked about it in in uh, the return game. Uh, you, you would think that Rondell Moore would be a, a, a natural to return a kick for a touchdown at some point in time. And yet, uh, you know, injuries were a part of his uh, situation. He's, he's physically bulked up a little bit. That's good. But he was hurt a lot in the second half of the season. He played through it and still produced uh, at high levels. But how other teams defend, defend him, what they choose to do to slow him down will be a storyline this year. And, but yet Purdue also has a very young, but on paper, very, very talented group of young uh, freshman receivers. And that will also be an interesting storyline to watch how they complement with an E, how they complement uh, Rondale Moore and what he's supposed to get done. You kind of just led into my next thing. Braun talked at length about the youth and the number of freshmen, including true freshmen, that will be counted on uh, this year. I do think we have some incoming freshmen that will see the field, and uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, do a good job for us. The ones you mentioned, David Bell at receiver, I think is an outstanding talent that will uh, you know, possibly start for us, but uh, has a chance to be a special player. We really... Uh, signed a group of four receivers last year that all have a chance to play. And uh, David Bell, Milton Wright, Mashawn Rice, and T.J. Sheffield, all four guys have shown us things even to this point that uh, we like, and, and they're going to be in the mix, and they'll probably be on the field, I think. Um, <coughs> we have two young tight ends, uh, uh, and, and Garrett Miller and Kyle Bilodeau, that uh, have a chance to be very good players and uh, could easily see the field as well. I think at running back, we signed two running backs, Dewan. Hewitt and King uh, Dewar that uh, have shown uh, some great promise to this point. And um, while we feel good about our other running backs, uh, there's not a whole lot of depth. So they could uh, be in the action. I think on the offensive line, we're uh, a little bit uh, maybe a year off from those guys getting in the mix. On the defense, uh, Jalen Graham is a true freshman that enrolled early, uh, did a tremendous job for us in the secondary. Marvin Grant has come in uh, at the safety position, has a chance to play. I think George Kalafis is a, an outstanding uh, talent up front that came in and rolled early, had a great spring for us, was our, probably our best player on defense all spring. Uh, and then there's some other guys up front that we think can get in the mix, and Dante Hunter and, and uh, Stephen Fouché. So a lot of guys could see uh, the field. 
and, and they're going to have to, and they're going to have to be ready to play because uh, we are going to be a little bit young. But uh, I think they've worked hard to this point, and they understand that uh, you know we need those guys to step in and and, and be ready to go. And, and while they you know going to have to learn on the job a little bit, I, I do think they can improve, and they'll be up to the challenge. Which of those young freshmen, like Rondell Moore last year, do you see making an impact this season? Well, first, Adam, I, I doubt anybody will have the impact. <laughs> Rondale Moore did. I mean, obviously a consensus All-American, one of three in the history of college football as a true freshman. Uh, that's pretty, you know, when you're in Adrian Peterson's and uh, certainly Herschel Walker's category, you're pretty rarefied air. So I don't anticipate that, but it's essential that, that, that a couple of freshmen especially make an impact. One being the defensive end we talked about a little bit, George Karloftis, uh, who wore jersey number five, five from West Lafayette four-star candidate or four-star prospect in Rivals.com that came in in, and participated in spring ball. He showed that he belongs, um, and it will be interesting to see once he gets up against Big Ten-level competition on a daily basis uh, what that will be like for him. But he needs to make an impact. We've talked at length about Purdue's need to have some level of an interior pass rush or a pass rush that can emanate from the defensive line. Jalen Graham, a defensive back out of Detroit, uh, also came in in the spring and, and uh, looks the part I anticipate. He almost plays like a linebacker. He will play some, uh, if not, I mean, he'll, I think he'll start. He'll play a lot. David Bell out of Indianapolis, uh, Warren Central, who's uh, an all-everything receiver, probably one, the, the recruiting coup of the year last year outside of Karloftis, maybe the one-two in that fact. Uh, everybody's excited about seeing what David Bell can do. I expect him to do that uh, early on. Milton Wright. There are some other names that you're going to that you're going to see that uh, will play, and they'll probably be somebody that you don't expect that uh, that that you haven't talked about because this is still a roster that um, is still trying to uh, is still a work in progress, and I think fans get that, uh, but they don't get it completely. And I think there's a you know. Whether Milton Wright at wide receiver, uh, certainly guys like King Daru, a running back, uh, T.J. Sheffield, another receiver. Just throwing out names, but uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Fosho, and I always mispronounce his name, a four-star <laughs> defensive tackle. Uh, these are all names in the highest-ranked recruiting class that Purdue has secured probably in at least uh, 20 years. And because there's a combination of rosters, spots available, and the fact that you have a talented class, uh, they're going to play. You know, a guy that Jeff Brown talked about also, Cameron Allen, a defensive back out of Bluefield, Virginia, is a guy that uh, not as highly touted coming in, but uh, he comes in and, uh, and and he's been talked about some. So I think it's still all up for, you know, it all depends what happens when they put the pads on and, and uh, get here and how they adjust. But uh, there's going to be opportunities uh, whether it be at the running back position, the defensive line, the, the receiver position, defensive backfield, there's space for guys to come in and play. And that's part of the reason, to be honest, that these guys chose Purdue because there was good opportunity to come in and make an impact early on. A lot of those guys that you mentioned are wide receivers. With that depth now, although they haven't proven themselves yet, and the lack of depth at running back, do you, do you see Rondell playing any tailback this year, or are they going to just keep him out in the slot and out in the wide receiver position? Well, I, I think you'll see him uh, get the ball where he may get, and he got a few, had a few of those last year where it's counted as a rush as opposed to a pass, uh, whether that be uh, in, when he comes in motion and 
uh, they want the ball in his hands. I mean, there, there isn't any question about that. And I think for the most part last year, uh, the more they did that, the better off they were. So uh, I think Jeff Brom is innovative. We've seen that in two years. He will find ways, and he's done a great job with that as a, in his time at Purdue, of getting his best players on the field, first and foremost. And secondly, getting his best players to uh, have the ball in their hands or in the position to make plays. And uh, why wouldn't you get the ball to number four as often as you can? You have to manage that carefully, I suppose, because uh, uh, guys get hurt. But uh, you also play to win. And, Jeff, there isn't any coach in the country, in my opinion, that plays as aggressively or as Jeff Brom. So he's going he's gonna to do what he can to utilize his best guys on a regular basis. Seeing the usage that Rondale got last year as a true freshman and the, the national attention he got – talking about all these young guys coming in, what does that do for recruiting is, you know, getting these guys in that are going to have an opportunity to play right away? Well, I think Rondale Moore um, and in what he did on the field, capturing the imagination of the entire country, really in that game against Ohio state. I mean, obviously it was a lot to, uh, to do with uh, Tyler Trent, et cetera. But then when, when you got to watch the football game, you know, he made a Heisman trophy moment as a freshman and with his mm-hmm. touchdown in the fourth quarter, uh, I, I know he, it wasn't quite time for him to win the Heisman. It may never be time for him to win the Heisman, but he had that type of moment. And that captures the imagination of, of, of kids all around the country. I think Purdue's done an excellent job uh, internally. They've got great uh, young assistant, co- young, I don't know, not all young, but uh, aggressive assistant coaches. Uh, they've done a good job, I also think, of building the brand at the, at, the, at the university from a social media standpoint. And you tie in things like Carson Edwards and, and Matt Painter's run to the near run to the Final Four last year. Uh, Purdue has become a very uh, well-known place uh, on the national landscape. That makes a big difference in recruiting. And when you have a coach like Jeff Brom, who is known uh, as being innovative and known as being a player's coach, and you have an, an academic institution that uh, ranks, uh, holds up very well, as Purdue does, those are all good factors. All of a sudden, Purdue has, has a lot to sell, and it's showing up in recruiting. It's shown up uh, last year. It's showing up this year in the t- talent level that Jeff Brom is bringing and will bring to West Lafayette. Do you think that's what kind of made it so more, so much more important to keep Brom and not let him leave after last season? Yeah, I, Adam, I can't. I don't think you'd not be even having this interview today if Jeff Brom didn't stay. And the reason why I say that is, uh, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But Purdue was in that situation that it was imperative that Jeff Brom uh, stay to keep the momentum going. That's stating the obvious. Had he left, uh, the program would have taken a major step or uh, or would have had to do a lot to stabilize itself because there was so much of this the, the high end recruiting class that we just talked about the 2019 class that was on the line, uh, assuming he was going to stay. And then the fact that he just shows that commitment to Purdue in, 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 in the midst of uh, saying no, a difficult no, albeit, but a, a no still the same, to his alma mater. Uh, that's hard to minimize if you're Purdue because you got a guy that's uh, saying, hey, I want to be here. Purdue has Purdue football since Joe Taylor, Teller has not been a place that people would say, hey, I really want to be there. And uh, Jeff Brom has said, hey, this is a place that I want to be. And I don't think, uh, again, that you can uh, almost put a price tag on that and how much that meant to the program, meant to the fan base, meant to all his 
kids that play for him uh, on down the line. And Jeff Brom is a great fit for Purdue. He's an underseller. He's a guy that uh, is uh, well, uh, you know, he doesn't talk a lot about himself. He doesn't tell you how great he is. He just gets after it, and that's very much the Purdue M.O. The players were also asked about that by the Big Ten Network guys uh, when they were being interviewed. Here's what they had to say about that. Um, you know, like I tell everyone else, um, Coach Brahm is a great guy first and foremost before he's a football coach. So, you know, while all of us were worried and things of that sort and kept refreshing social media to see who we were going to find out, he kept us in the loop. Um, and how he did that was was through team meetings. So after workouts and things of that sort, you know, we'd have team meetings and he'd let us know what was going on despite what was being said on social media. So you guys felt comfortable. Did you ever wonder, <clears throat> Lorenzo, was he going to leave? I don't think you wonder as much as you just – you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, and you see all this stuff. But at the same time, you talk to him, and you know it's not going on. So it was it was a little bit irritating, I want to say, just because, you know, you have people walking up to you on the street like, hey, we heard this and we heard that. And you're like, well, I talked to my coach, so I know what's going on. Right. Was it distracting in any way, Marcus, for you, like the, the fact that there was all this chatter surrounding him? No, I don't think it was distracting. Like both these guys touched on, um, Braun was very transparent. Through, uh, through the process, uh, team meetings and everything, he told us that he was staying, and I believed him. He's a man of his word, and he proved that to be true. Uh, I don't think that distracted us. I think we had our, our mindset on the on the game ahead of us. Do you think this is something they're going to have to deal with every year, or do you think after saying no to Louisville, it's kind of more solidified and Purdue fans can feel comfortable that he's at Purdue for the long term? Well, I, I think that because it was Louisville, it was a different situation. I mean, it, you know, all bets were almost off in, in terms of the op- job opportunity. Nobody expected at Purdue that Bobby Petrino would lose that job in a year uh, and go from where he went to, to getting fired. That is the world of college football today. So uh, you never say never, but I really believe that Jeff Rahm will be at Purdue for a period of time. And by that period of time, he's got a son that's – Uh, going into his freshman year in high school. He's the Where's Waldo of college football, in all honesty. (laughs) He's another assistant coach in a lot of ways, and Brady's a great great ambassador for his dad and for the program. His enthusiasm is infectious. And uh, there aren't many college football coaches that can say they get enough time with their family. Um, And yet uh, I think Jeff Brom can say that, uh, hey, son, son Brady is around. And his daughter also, I believe, is in the fourth or fifth grade. She's a very good athlete. Uh, Jeff gets to coach her sports teams from time to time. I'm sure he doesn't coach them as much as he'd like, but he gets to do it. Uh, And he lives about a half mile from uh, where he works. And, uh, again, uh, Purdue is, is in my view, is one of the top jobs in the Power Five right now, not because it's it's worthy of being being in the discussion with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan. I'm not saying that just yet, but what I am saying is it is the perfect. If you're going to grasp the, the job with the least pressure and yet the, the opportunity to have a resources put toward it, which it has changed dramatically in the last two to three years, um, it's, it ranks very, very well. I, there's pressure here on Jeff Brown because he's the third highest, highest paid coach in the Big Ten now. But sure. the good thing from, from a Purdue perspective is that Jeff Brown puts more pressure on himself. <laughs> and uh, I don't think that that will uh, – uh, that he's not going to slack off, so to speak. He wants to put the best product on the field. I think he likes it at Purdue. He always said even one after Bobby Petrino lost his job and he had that three weeks of almost a vacuum last year before it all came to pass – that um, 
uh, that Jeff Brock kept saying, I like it here. I plan on staying here. Now, when push came to shove, I know he had to make a difficult family decision, uh, but it was the right decision, I think, for Jeff Brom, and, and I think, obviously, it was the right decision for Purdue. Uh, the media poll preseason picked them to finish fifth in their own division. Your response to that, do you think that's fair? Um, I don't think it really matters in all honesty. I really don't. Uh, and I'm not, I don't really get too worked up over that. And I don't, I know that, or I would suspect that the coaching staff doesn't, uh, as well, uh, because there's a log jam in my view, you look at the Western division and the second you say something on in July, that's emphatic and, and, and absolute, you end up being wrong, but everybody's picking Illinois seventh. And that would be my guess at this point, but you never know. Uh, But I think you throw the other six teams and put them for the most part in the hopper. Uh, I, I I tend to be a traditionalist or at least like programs that are a little more established and, and, and far be it for me to say that Nebraska is not established. Obviously it's a great program historically, and they've got an excellent young coach in Scott Frost. This is a team that, uh, is getting a lot of love and, and maybe too much. I don't know. Uh, they're going to have to find Adrian Martinez, is a terrific young quarterback. He showed that to some extent in the Purdue game last year, but they couldn't stop anybody. So he's got to be able to uh, come up with a defense that can, that can go toe to toe, toe with the team, three teams that I think are really the teams you got to play through in the West division, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Those are the three teams with, uh, uh, two of them, especially with Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald and Kirk Ferentz at, at Iowa, established coaches, established programs. Certainly, Paul Christ at Wisconsin has done that; is pretty established as well. And then you throw in a Minnesota team that, uh, in my view, you know, embarrassed Purdue. And that's not in my mm-hmm. view; that was a fact last year. I think that game will be uh, a huge uh, bellwether game for the Boilermakers on September the 28th. Your season's going to go one of two directions based on that game. Uh, and you, you're coming off a bye week after three, three uh, non-conference games. So, uh, and, you, and you have a team and a, and a young coach in P.J. Fleck that is kind of like Jeff Robb. They've been mm-hmm. in the same, same spot uh, for the same amount of time. They're kind of uh, fair-haired boys on a national level. And it will be interesting to see uh, who emerges there. So, Adam, I haven't told you anything you don't know here. I just think it's a, it's a crapshoot for sure. positions one through six. If I had to pick somebody, I would err on the side of Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, to be very honest. I, I think it's uh, those two teams. Uh, I just And Purdue has a challenge, obviously, because mm-hmm. in, in December, or excuse me, November, it has to go on the road to Northwestern and Wisconsin. And there isn't any coach in college football I respect more than Pat Fitzgerald, to be very honest. Uh, his teams are never great, uh, but they sure are good, and uh, they sure make you beat them. Uh, and I think that will be a challenge for every team, and that'll go that'll go on as long as Pat Fitzgerald's at Northwestern. Obviously, the schedule can play a huge part in that. And once again, Purdue will have a tough non-conference schedule, along with obviously the tough conference schedule in the Big Ten. Brom talked about that as well. We've always uh, had eleven Power Five games. Uh, we're excited about our our schedule. Uh, we do like to. to uh, schedule the best opponents we can and uh, us opening up at Nevada will be a tough contest and then we come back and have Vanderbilt at home an SEC team and TCU at home uh, one of the better teams in the Big 12 and then we start our conference play so sometimes those games make it tough where you got to figure out a way to win a few of those uh, but 
getting in and ready for Big Ten play. I do think in the long haul, uh, we've had some success. You know, the first year we found a way to beat Missouri uh, pretty handily. We were close against Louisville, had a chance to win this past year. Found a way to beat Boston College when they were undefeated. We're close against Missouri as well. Uh, so those games, uh, I think, can help your team uh, get prepared for good competition. And uh, that's the way we want to do it. And I think our fans uh, want to see great competition come in the stadium. And we want to continue to provide that. Your thoughts on the schedule? Well, I think, I think, it's, a t- I think it's a very balanced schedule, meaning that there aren't – you know, it's funny because last year you said, well, there are games that Purdue can't win. One of them was at Ohio, against Ohio State at home. No way that Purdue's you – know, you, you look at it from a July uh, 22nd perspective and you, or 23rd perspective and you say, oh, from last year I'm talking about, oh, you're not going to beat Ohio State. Well, they did. Purdue right. did beat them. So I always, maybe I'm an old man, Adam, so I, I, I tend <laughs> to not look at things and say at age 59 that anything is guaranteed. I, I, you know, I'm scared. If I'm Purdue, I'm concerned about playing uh, Nevada – in Reno, uh, in at 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 uh, six thirty at night uh, Pacific time, in your first game of the year in altitude, you sure. better be ready to go. Uh, and yet, Vandy uh, uh, and TCU at home are games Purdue can and probably should win. But they're both programs that have taken steps. Uh, Gary Patterson's one of the best coaches in the country. Um, and then you go to the Big Ten. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously we talked about the Minnesota game on September twenty eighth. But then you go to Penn State. Again, a team that uh, that that uh, is the blue blood ish program, maybe the only truly blue blood program that Purdue will play this year. And uh, it's on the road. You're going to have a hard time beating Penn State at Penn State. But then you got to come back and play Iowa, or excuse me, you got Maryland. I mean, at home, and then you go to Iowa. So uh, it just means it's a balanced schedule. And I I, I think Purdue's win variance could be anywhere from three to ten. In all honesty. Uh, I think it's that challenging, and that doesn't mean I, I find it hard to believe that a Jeff Brom team's only going to win three football games because he seems to find ways to get teams to bowls. He certainly did that at Western Kentucky early on, and he's done that at Purdue. But uh, there are going to be a lot of games that you're going to be nervous about if you're Purdue, and that uh, I don't see a, there is no cupcakes on the schedule. Yes, on the schedule, you look at the October 27th game against Illinois and say that's a cupcake, but you have no idea what Illinois is going to look like. Right. Uh, by the time, you know, with the quarterback uh, situation and Brandon Peters being there, no idea just exactly how it's going to be. So I've learned uh, at, uh, through doing this a few years is not to take anything totally for granted. Jeff Brom, I think, takes it the same way. Purdue does not have enough depth, doesn't have enough experience to, to look past anybody. If Purdue uh, doesn't pay attention, it could finish seventh in the, in the West Division. If it hits things on the screws, it, can, it could win the West Division. Thank you for uh, breaking that down. I want to wrap this up with, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Tyler Trent and his impact on the team. The Big Ten Network guys asked both Coach Brom and the players uh, about Tyler Trent. I want to play those interviews in their entirety. Well, he was amazing. To be quite honest, he was the only one that predicted the Ohio State victory, including the head coach. So he had more uh, gall than I did and uh, was smarter than I was. But you know what? To see a young man go through the things he did, to have that smile on his face, that uh, great spirit that he had, the tremendous attitude to want to continue to achieve things in life brought inspiration to us as a team first. And then, of course, after that game, the whole entire nation knew about it. So I think it was great for him to see. It brought life to him to see so many people support him and helped his family. And we want to make sure 
we do our part uh, to continue to include his family and let them know that he'll always be a team captain for us. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. to Tyler, man. He was an amazing individual to start off with. I had the opportunity to go see him twice uh, with some of the fellow captains. And um, I think he just gives you some great perspective um, on how to be grateful and be appreciative because you see what he's going through and, and he's able to stay positive and be uplifting and do something so great that he was able to do um, and have such a big impact. And that is, inspires me and motivates me. I know it's motivated a bunch of the guys in our team too. And um, that was evident uh, throughout last year. Lorenzo? Yeah, I think what happened for us with Tyler was Tyler was one of those people that hit really close to home because there are people like Tyler to this day who are still fighting for their lives and trying to wake up every morning and be as strong as they can for the people around them and for themselves. And I think for us it was really important to see that some of that close to home and, and kind of understand that. And we took that, like Marcus said, and, and put it in our lives. And you're like, well, if he's going through this and he's suffering just to wake up in the morning and, and try to be as normal as he can be, then what is us working and doing our best in this football team in comparison? Rondell. And yeah, for me, um, Tyler and I, we really had a personal relationship. So after the Ohio State game, we had exchanged numbers. And from there, our relationship took off. You know, it, it was more so that... He wasn't just Tyler Trent anymore. He was a friend. Um, and, you know, I can't say enough about him, you know, but just to piggyback off of what Lorenzo and Marcus said, you know, he he really puts into perspective, like, waking up every day is not something we should take for granted, you know, and, you know, and we should be really appreciative of the things we do get to do. Alan, from your perspective, talk about the impact that you saw Tyler had on this program last year and perhaps will continue to have moving forward. Well, I think anybody that was in that locker room uh, in October when Purdue beat Ohio State uh, and saw what uh, what transpired there. But the interesting thing about that is the Tyler Trent story goes back to uh, a year earlier. And, and, and the fact that I think everybody knew what the result was going to be in terms of Tyler's health. But I think that the courage that Tyler showed um, – and the impact it had on not just this football team, but the, the entire university and really in, in, and obviously in the entire country, if not world, is palpable. And I think it stays with Purdue uh, for a long time, if not forever, because it's hard to, hard to minimize, again, what, uh, what he meant and what he is. He became the fabric of Purdue football. And you don't always – you don't get that uh, very often where you're taken all the way down to – to your complete uh, uh, the ground, so to speak, from an emotional standpoint and having to deal with that. But the strength that Tyler showed and the fact that uh, he had an impact on uh, not only Jeff Brom, but every player in that locker room. Uh, and that also transcends sports. It becomes much more important. Yes, I know they're going to pay. They have paid permanent tribute to Tyler with a, with a, a gate at the stadium. But uh, Tyler's legacy will live on because uh, of the impact he made. And, uh, again, Purdue, in, in its own uh, difficult but yet important way, benefits from that. It benefits it from a football program. It benefits it from the Purdue Center for Cancer Research and all the research that, and, and uh, money that's come in because people believe in Tyler and believe in what Tyler was trying to do and the importance of research. Uh, all those things tie together together. 
very, very much. And, and uh, while the difficult and the tragedy of all that, uh, there is something good and some a legacy that came from all that. And I think that uh, that is a thing where uh, you'll, you'll never, you'll, hopefully none of us will ever outlive that part of it because uh, it will be with uh, Purdue fans and anybody that experienced that situation from now to the end of their life. Truly an inspiration to us all that I think will never be forgotten. Alan, thank you so much for your time on joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, if our listeners want to find out more, more in-depth coverage on the Big Time Media Days or just Purdue football or Purdue sports in general, the website is goldenblack.com. What can they find on that page? And um, are articles free? Is there a subscription? Kind of explain how that works. Well, about 80% of our articles are free, but uh, and we've got a very dynamic, uh, very fortunate to work with two great people and Tom Deanart and Brian Newbert. Uh, we do four things at Golden Black, really. It's, we try to focus on football, men's basketball, football recruiting, men's basketball recruiting. Those are the four things you're going to get. But you also get uh, the opportunity to talk about Purdue sports in our, uh, in our premium message board. And that's really where the fun starts and where the interest is. Uh, it's our community. We're very lucky to have been in business, uh, been in business for 29 years, been on the Internet for, for 22 of those 29 years. So we've been lucky to have a good following we like to interact with our readers, but we also, if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe on the site, but you don't have to be. We also have free free message boards. We have Facebook pages. We have a very uh, very large Twitter following. Uh, but we, if you want to be part of the conversation, you need to consider a free trial subscription as well. Uh, you won't be sorry. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have had a lot of growth in our in our subscription base, and that's been a big part of our uh, big part of our story at GoldenBlack.com. Alan, that's great. Definitely some great content on, on the site you want to check out, especially for a nerd like me who likes to follow the recruiting uh, process. There's a lot of in-depth stuff on uh, recruiting there. So uh, go check it out, goldenblack.com. Alan, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks so much for having me on. It was my pleasure to have Alan Karpik on the show and appreciate his expertise and in-depth analysis and breaking down the Big Ten Media Days and uh, what to expect this upcoming season. Again, if you want to follow Alan on Twitter, it is at Alan Karpik. Or if you want to follow goldenblack.com on Twitter, it is at goldenblack.com. Also want to say thanks to the Big Ten Network for providing the audio for this podcast. All clips you heard from the press conference from Brahm or the players was courtesy of the Big Ten Network. So my thanks to them as well. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. You can also listen, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.